little backstory to our Old Testament lesson in the book of 1 Samuel this morning. It begins, the book of 1 Samuel, with a woman named Hannah, who was desperate to have a child. She had been married for some time, but she had no children, and she was despairing that she may never have any children. And so when it became time to make an annual pilgrimage to go to the place to worship the Lord, she went with her husband, and when she arrived at the place of worship, she went into the holy place and she began to pray. She was praying with her mouth moving, but not making any audible noise. And the priest saw her and thought she was drunk, and he accused her of being so. And she said, I'm not drunk. I'm, I'm desperate. I'm praying for a child. And the priest realized that she was sincere, and he told her, your prayer will be answered. So she left. She went home. She um, lit some candles, poured some wine, put on her favorite Barry White albums. That's not exactly what the text says, but it's somewhat close to that. Um, and weeks later, uh, lo and behold, she realized that she was with child. She gave birth to this child. She named him Samuel. And when the time came as this newborn the next year around to go to the, uh, to the place of worship on the annual pilgrimage, her husband says to her, it's time to go. And she says, I'm not going. And she says, I won't go until this child is ready to be weaned. Because she remembered her vow, the vow that she made in that place. She had told the Lord, if you give me a son, I will return him to you. To be a priest and serve you all the days of his life. So she tells her husband, Elkanah, I'm not going. I'm not going this year. I'm not going next. I'm probably not going the next. As soon as the child is weaned and old enough, I'll be taking him. Probably three or four years of age. And that's what she did. So when the child was old enough, she journeyed with her husband annual pilgrimage to the place where the Lord was worshipped in Shiloh, she took with her this little boy, Samuel, and she left him with the priest. And so Samuel was raised in the home of a fellow named Eli. Eli had two sons of his own, Hophni and Phinehas, and these were despicable young men. They worked in the, in the, in the tabernacle, rather, as priests to the Lord as well. Their father was getting up there in age, and so they pretty much had assumed all the duties. And they would bully the worshipers who came. They would steal from the offerings that were offered to the Lord. The young women who worked in there, that they would, um, they would sexually exploit and use. They were, as I said, despicable people. And their father knew it. But for some reason, he turned a blind eye to them. He did not correct or rebuke them. He just allowed it to go on. But there's this little boy who lives in this home with these priests, and perhaps the two younger uh, priests as well. But he's somehow insulated from this corruption. And you heard the story. One night, this boy is lying down. He's in the holy place. He's, uh, he's taking care of the, uh, the logistics of the place. The lamp had not yet gone out. He had not needed to refill it or relight it. And he hears a voice. Someone's calling his name. Samuel. Samuel. And so he gets up, he believes it's his foster parent Eli, this old priest. And so he goes into Eli's room, presumably knocks on the door, um, and says, hello, you called me. And you heard the story. The priest says, no, I didn't. Go, go back to bed. So Eli goes back to bed, or Samuel goes back to bed. Goes back to bed and he hears his name called again, Samuel, Samuel. Gets up, goes back to the priest. You called me. No, I did not call you. Go back to bed. A third time. And this time, Eli realizes something's going on. The Lord is calling Samuel. 
And so he tells Samuel, go back, lie down. You hear it again, speak. And here's what you should say. Speak, Lord, your servant's listening. I thought about how children are so unflappable, aren't they? I mean, they just get on with things. Uh, you remember perhaps when you were a child, you sort of got on with things. I don't know when it is that we learn to be um, resistant. <laughs> you know, when did our sense of entitlement become so great that we're like, no, we're not doing this up anymore. But, but Eli or Samuel rather gets on with it. I mean, especially those who grow up in difficult circumstances. This is true. Think about little Samuel, you know, three or four years old. His mom and his dad take him to Shiloh. He's got a little suitcase packed. And they say to this little boy, we're going to leave you here. You're going to live here from now on. And we'll see you once a year when we come back to worship. But this is going to be your home. Don't forget to brush your teeth. <laughs> you know, and they leave. And, and he just sort of, you know, this is, it must have been really challenging for him, but he gets on with it. He just does what he has to do. And, um, and, and this night, he hears a voice calling his name. He thinks it's Eli, but it's not. It's the Lord. And one of the first things that I noticed about this passage was that sometimes the word of the Lord is confusing. Sometimes it's confusing. And Samuel hears the word of the Lord and thinks it's the word of a man. He doesn't know. He's, he's confused by it. The Hebrew prophets of old um, were these men and sometimes women who received a word from the Lord, a word that they were then to um, to send out and proclaim, sometimes to the leadership of Israel, sometimes to the common people. But it was a word, a message that God had delivered for them to pass on. We don't know how they all received it. I think they were in different ways. Um, the, the, the prophets received a word of the Lord. In Samuel's case, it's audible, isn't it? He hears with his ear, and it sounds just like the voice of someone he knows. I wondered if we, the word of the Lord came to us in ways we didn't expect, you know? I mean, what if the word of the Lord came to us, you know, Debbie, Daniel, Darren, I don't know, whatever the name, you know, all through my D names. Um, the word of the Lord, but it doesn't come in a baritone. Maybe it comes in a tenor. Or perish the thought, an alto or a soprano. What would we say? Ah, oh, that's not the Lord. You're confused. Some of you will remember Paul Thilo. Um, Paul was um, a retired Lutheran minister who served here when I first came. Um, it wasn't long after I arrived here that he came and, and then he joined me and was a, a wonderful uh, father figure and, and friend in the Lord and um, and he passed away, uh, you know, a number of years ago now. But but Paul had this really deep voice. I mean, it was very, very deep. And I remember my son Benjamin. He was sitting down right here to my left, and and um, and uh, Paul got up the first time to do the prayers of the people. And with this very deep, booming voice, <laughs> you know, he answered, let us pray for the church and for the world. And I remember Benjamin, like, shooting up. Like, you know, he was a little boy, and so he's he's down messing around with stuff. And, and he says to me later, I thought it was God. You know, I, I, I thought that God was speaking. And, and so he was all of a sudden attentive. That's the way we expect the word of the Lord to come to us, right? Not one that kind of makes us think it's coming otherwise. Um, not with this, uh, 
you know, voice of a, a familiar voice. It's, 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 it's a, a different kind of voice. But here it is, it's confusing. But Eli's perceptive. He knows this isn't his voice. This is the voice of the Lord. Samuel doesn't know the voice of the Lord. Go back, lie down. And then something happens. I have read this passage, oh my word, you know, probably once a year for the last 30 years. And, um, and somehow I never saw this. Verse 10. The Lord came and stood. The Lord came and stood. Calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, speak. Your servant hears. I wonder what that was like for Samuel. A number of years ago, goodness, uh, 2005, my oldest son was 14. And he and I traveled to England, to London, with a graduate class. And we went to Holy Trinity Brompton. If you know anything about Holy Trinity Brompton, charismatic uh, Anglican parish, uh, uh, really strong. And, and, and we were at Holy Trinity, and then the next day, um, Sandy Green, who was vicar at, at Holy Trinity for some time, says, I'm going to be at this other church, St. Paul in Shadwell, and I want you guys to come, and we we're going to pray together. So we go to St. Paul Shadwell, and, and there in the city of London, we, it's funny because they were, they were working on the church at that time. It's really tall, kind of a flat ceiling, and um, they had scaffolding all inside of the nave of the church, and and they let us climb up on the scaffolding. And, and my young son, who was only 14, who now is 29, I said to him, I, I want you to reach up there and touch that because when next time you come back, you're probably going to be older. You'll be an adult. And I want you to sit here and realize that you touched that ceiling. You know? And, and they let him climb up in the bell tower and all kinds of really cool stuff. And, and then Sandy got us in this room. And when there were about, I don't know, 15 of us, and we're standing in a circle and probably a room about the size of our guild hall out here. And we're standing in a circle and, and Sandy says, I'm going to go around, I'm going to pray for each of you and I'm going to lay hands on you. And, 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 you know, some of you may feel the Holy Spirit coming and you may, um, it may cause you to, uh, you know, to uh, fall down and to, um, to lose sort of control. You may, you may speak in tongues. And, and at this point in my life, now, now at this time, I would be, you're right on, I would be with him. But at that point in my life, I was like, no, it's not going to happen. You know, this is, you know, whatever you're going to do. But he's a sweet man, and we'll, we'll let him pray for us, you know. And um, and so he goes around, and he's praying for different people. And um, another one of the priests comes around, and he's praying for me. And, and at the time that he's praying for me, Sandy was over praying for um, for Nicholas. And all of a sudden, Nicholas began, like a 14-year-old, he began to shake violently. And um, And they came and got me and said, he's really frightened. Um, could you come and talk to him? And so I went over and, and I, we kind of left the room and he said, I don't want to go back there. Uh, the Lord came and stood in the place where Samuel was. And that might have been a very frightening moment. It might have been a very comforting. We're not sure. But here's the one thing. The word of the Lord went from confusing to clarifying, didn't it? It was clear then that the Lord had a message for Samuel. The ears of the people are going to tingle with what I'm about to say. That's an, that's an old Semitic way of saying people are going to be, they're going to pay attention. They're going to listen up because this is going to be a hard word. It's a word of judgment. It's a fierce word. And here's what's going to happen. Eli's house is going to be laid waste by me. 
These two sons of his, these two corrupt priests, are going to be destroyed. They are going to die on the same day. And Eli's house is going to be removed. He knew what his sons were doing. He knew the evil that they were participating in. He knew they were stealing from the people. He knew they were bullying the people. He knew that they were exploiting young women. And he did nothing about it. To see evil and to say nothing about it is to become complicit in that evil. Sins of omission are every bit as serious as sins of commission. In the words of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, to see evil and say nothing is itself evil. To see evil and remain silent is itself evil. And these young men and their father will be judged. That would be a hard word for Samuel to hear, don't you think? I mean, just think a little boy and he hears this message and, and this message is a hard one. He has to go tell the only person who's really close to him Eli, this priest, who's this father figure, this model, he has to go tell him this difficult message. And it's clear that he did have to tell him. Verse 13, God says, I declare to him that I'm about to punish his house. (laughs) Samuel's like, no, you're declaring it to me. Why don't you go tell him if you've got a message to him? Because that's the job of the prophet. The job of the prophet is to speak the word of the Lord. I'm telling you, Samuel, because you are going to go tell it to him. And the text says, and Samuel lay on his bed until morning. (laughs) I'll bet he did, right? Oh, he's probably asleep now. No sense in going in and waking him up. I bet Eli laid there a long time, wondering what message was being delivered to the boy. Which brings me to the third part about the word of the Lord in this passage, that the word of the Lord requires courage. It requires courage. He lay in his bed until morning because he wasn't really eager to go share it. You know, I've been in, um, I've been in hospitals. See Father Lee out here, probably more than most people. (laughs) If you're a priest, you go to hospitals a lot. Um, Maybe you all had some people in your family who have been ill or you've been ill and you kind of feel like you've had a year around with hospitals. Trust me, you get nothing. <laughs> I've been all over. I can take you to hospitals in backwoods of Kentucky, um, you know, all over northeast Ohio, central Ohio, southwest Ohio. Lots of hospital time. Every surgery I've ever been to seems to be the same. When the physician comes out, the surgeon comes out, you know what she or he says? went perfect. Everything went exactly according to plan. I know that is not true. I don't say to the family that's not true, but every time they say it, oh, everything was perfect, it's great, no complications, everything went just like we expected, blah, 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 blah. Unless it didn't. Unless things are severe. I have been there when they've come out and said, you should get family close. Anybody you need to call, you should call now. I remember when they said to me, my own mother, there's nothing else we can do. When they say that, it's serious. And I wonder how many times, you know, a physician, a surgeon has to walk down a hall going from the 
Operation Theater or wherever, the, and they're going to meet that family. And they know that the word they have to tell them, they have, the message they have to deliver is not going to be an easy one to accept. It's a hard word, but the truth has to be told. How difficult, how much courage these surgeons, these physicians, they have to muster to do that. Eli presses Samuel in the morning. What did you hear? What did the Lord say? Samuel, if you don't tell me, everything that the Lord said to you could come upon you. (laughs) Verse 17, Eli said, What is it he has told you? Do not hide it from me. May God do so to you, and more so also, if you hide anything from me of all that he told you. So Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. And Eli said, it is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. Sure, Samuel was happy that the messenger wasn't punished for the message. You know, there are still men and women who hear a word from the Lord, but it's not as often. It's not as it's rare. It's exceptional. And here's why. Because we have the word of the Lord. We have a full revelation of God's will and his 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 purposes for human salvation. And when any word comes that someone gives that doesn't conform to this word, then you should not trust that word. St. John's clear about this. But as we look to the scriptures even, I think we see the same thing. That sometimes the word of the Lord comes to us and it's confusing. I wrote about a couple confusing and funny stories this week. Perhaps you saw them. Sometimes it's confusing. Um, sometimes it's super clear. Someone has said to me, it's not the parts of the Bible I don't understand that trouble me so much. It's the parts I do understand. <laughs> and there's truth to that, isn't there? The clarifying message of the Lord. But it always takes courage. The word of the Lord requires courage. But sometimes we have to speak the truth, not just in the world. Of course we have to speak the truth in the world. That's not always the most difficult place to speak it. Sometimes speaking the truth in the church is a really difficult thing. I've had to push back on people before and they said to me, oh, you know, don't be beating me over the head with religion. I'm, like, I'm not. I'm just, I'm just holding us accountable to the, to the text of Scripture. Sometimes speaking the truth in the church takes courage. And the word of the Lord comes to us. And we, like little boy Samuel, have to do only this. Listen and obey. The writer to the Hebrews says that the word of the Lord is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, able to pierce between the bone and marrow. It gets right into us, doesn't it? Right into our lives and comes to us with a, with a really sharp kind of um, pointed intention. So I guess the question to you and to me this morning is what is the Lord saying? Are we listening? Are we obedient? Because that's all that really matters. Amen.